Next week, uh, we won't be here because we're heading off to Scotland just for a, a weekend to speak at a conference and a commending church in Airdrie. Now, I'd rather be with you, but it will be nice to be able to thank those who faithfully pray for us and who support us through their generous giving. But there's an aspect of our visit that I'm really not looking forward to. And it's not just standing up in front of people and talking. But it's that when we're there, people invariably ask us how things are going in our church and in our ministry here. They're interested and they want to partner with us. And so it's a natural question. How are things? Are things going well? They want to be encouraged if they're going really well. Or they want to support us and and be concerned for us if they're not. But my problem is always that I don't know how to answer that question. How do you answer the question? In some areas of life, it's relatively easy to measure how you're doing and to celebrate your progress. If you're on a diet, you just step on the scales and you celebrate each pound that you lose. If you're in education, then you look at your grades and your percentages. If you're in work, you might look at your your latest performance review or promotion. In business where you look at your profit. In sport, you look at your your scores, or your times, or your distances. As some of you know, that I trained as a scientist, and I love the precision of that field. So you could quantitatively measure what you're doing. And then you could prove your hypothesis through the statistics that you would do afterwards, with all these wonderful calculations. But how do you measure how a church is doing? Or even as individuals, how do you quantify your own effectiveness or success in your service for God? Do you just count the number of people who come to church or Bible studies or clubs? Do you just list the number of activities that you're involved in each week? Do you just talk about your reputation and what other people are saying about you? Or do you compare yourselves to others and make sure that you're keeping up uh, in terms of size or programs with other people? But can these external measurements really describe our health as a community of God's people or as individual Christians? Are they really good ways to analyse how we are doing in our service for God? Are these externals the things that we should be focusing in on? The things that we should be rejoicing in? Well, in his second letter to the Corinthians, Paul encouraged us to focus on a different way A completely different way to measure ourselves and have a different reason for rejoicing. So we're going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 7 down to verse 18. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 7. So Paul says, you are looking only on the surface of things. 
If anyone is confident that he belongs to Christ, he should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as he. For even if I boast somewhat freely about the authority the Lord gave us for building you up rather than for pulling you down, I will not be ashamed of it. I do not want to seem to be trying to frighten you with my letters. For some say his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he is unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. Such people should realise that what we are in our letters when we are absent, we will be in our actions when we are present. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the field God has assigned to us, a field that reaches even to you. We're not going too far in our boasting, as would be the case if we had not come to you, for we did get as far as you with the gospel of Christ. Neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting of work done by others. Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our area of activity among you will greatly expand so that we can preach the gospel in regions beyond you. For we do not want to boast about work already done in another man's territory. But let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it's not the one who commends himself who is approved but the one whom the Lord commends. And we'll just leave a reading there. In this section, Paul continued to confront this church about the false apostles. These guys who'd come into the church and were trying to pull them away from Paul and his ministry. And there were many in the church who were tempted to abandon Paul and follow these guys who were teaching a whole lot of things that were not true. But that was because they were looking at things the wrong way. You were looking only on the surface of things. These false apostles, they looked good. They had impressive personalities. They were obviously intelligent, well-trained, eloquent. They had impressive qualifications and references. Paul, on the other hand, had none of those things. People said about him, his letters are, waste, are weighty and forceful, but in person, he is unimpressive. And his speaking amounts to nothing. They said, he may be good at writing letters, but when you meet him, he's always a disappointment. But Paul knew that these things that these false apostles were focusing on ultimately didn't matter in God's kingdom. This is what the Lord said to Samuel way back in the Old Testament when he was tempted to choose Jesse's eldest son to be the next king of Israel. Just because he looked good, he looked impressive, he looked king-like. 
This is what the Lord said. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. To God, how we speak, what we do, what we've achieved, is never as important as who we are on the inside. What matters to God is our heart. So on the surface, people might look like really good followers of Jesus. They might attend church. They might sing enthusiastically. They might pray emotionally. They might speak eloquently. They might even minister powerfully. But they still could be outside of God's kingdom. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. At the end of his Sermon on the Mount. He says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. It's possible to do everything. All of those things on the outside. And still be outside of God's kingdom. So what matters most of all is whether we have that personal connection with Christ. Whether we have come into that personal relationship with Jesus through faith. That's what Paul rejoiced in. He says this, verse 7, If anyone is confident that he belongs to Christ, he should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as he. Paul was sure that he had put his personal faith in Christ. It was on a road to Damascus that he met Christ. He faced up to the reality that he was in the wrong. That what Paul was doing was completely wrong. He realized that everything that he built his life on, his family background, his religious upbringing, his achievements, his good life, all of that counted for nothing. And instead he saw himself as a sinner. Lost. And heading for a lost eternity. But in that place of brokenness and humility, Paul repented. And he accepted Jesus as the forgiver of his sins and the leader of his life. And in amazing grace, God instantly And completely forgave him. Declared him righteous. Adopted him into his God's family as a son. And so Paul could write these amazing words in Philippians chapter 3 verse 8. I consider everything. Everything a loss. Compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. So this is where we need to start measuring our life. 
This is the first question we need to ask ourselves. Do we belong to Christ? Have we repented of our sin and come to Jesus empty-handed and put our faith in Him? Because if not, then everything else that we do is worthless. Without that personal connection to Christ through our faith, we are lost. Secondly, Paul knew that he had the privilege to serve. Verse 8. Paul says, even if I boast somewhat freely about the authority the Lord gave us, I will not be ashamed. Some people were obviously criticising Paul for claiming the authority as an apostle. Apostle was one of those people who was specifically and personally commissioned by Jesus to, to go and to teach his word to be the kind of the foundation of the church. But Paul wasn't embarrassed with claiming that authority. One of, those, one of the reasons for that was because he knew that this authority wasn't for his own benefit. He says it was for building you up rather than for pulling you down. Other people use their authority to promote themselves, don't they? <coughs> they push people down. They control them. They step on them. All to gain own personal power or position or prestige or possessions. All for themselves. That's what those false apostles were doing. They were ridiculing Paul just so that they could take the limelight. But Paul's authority was completely different. Yes, he did use it to demolish something. He used his authority to demolish arguments against the knowledge of God. He used his, his authority to tear down any teaching that threatened the church. But he never used his authority to tear people down. Instead, he served them in love. He longed to build them up. And near the end of, the, of chapter 19, or chapter 12, sorry, of this book, he says, everything we do, dear friends, is for your strengthening. Everything we do is for you. Because that's what Christian ministry is about. It's not about serving ourselves. It's supposed to be about serving other people. Listen to what Jesus said, Mark chapter 10. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So whatever our role is in God's kingdom, we are called to serve sacrificially for the benefit of others. That's how we should measure our life. Are we serving? Are we serving for the benefit of others and not ourselves? But there's another reason why Paul wasn't embarrassed about the authority that he had. 
And that's because he knew that this authority they had wasn't something that he'd grabbed for himself. He wasn't so much a, a volunteer apostle. This was the Lord's calling on his life. On the road to Damascus, the Lord said to him, I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant, there's servant again, and as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. Paul didn't deserve this honour. He didn't work for it. He didn't earn it. In fact, he did everything to not earn it, to do the opposite, because he had gone round and killed Christians. Paul didn't even ask for this honour. It was totally a gift of grace. In his previous letter, he wrote these amazing words. 1 Corinthians 15 and 9. I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And that's the same with us. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. If we have trusted in Jesus, then we have been commissioned. We have been called to take the message of the cross to this world. To go and tell people, no matter what they, ha- what they have or haven't done, no matter who they are, to tell them that they can be reconciled to God through simple faith in Christ. That's our job. That's our calling. That's our privilege. That's our honour. And like Paul, it's something that we haven't earned. We haven't worked for. We don't deserve. It's not based on how good we are or how well we look. Or how accomplished we are at speaking or sharing our faith or any of all of that. It is simply God's call on all of our lives. So this is what we can rejoice in. That by God's grace we have the amazing privilege of being Christ's ambassadors. To serve this world by offering the gospel of life. What an amazing privilege. What an amazing joy. But thirdly, once we accept that we've been called by grace, and that frees us up that we can just be ourselves. Even although people accused Paul of being courageous and forceful in his letters, while timid and unimpressive in person, he could say this, Such people should realise that what we are in our letters when we're absent, we will be in our actions when we're present. Wherever Paul was, whatever he was doing, he was consistently authentic. He was just himself. He didn't succumb to the, the pressure of trying to pretend to be someone he was not. He didn't put in an act. He wasn't trying to impress or to deceive He was just himself. That's because Paul knew that by the grace of God, I am what I am. He knew that by God's grace, God had accepted him. 
so he could accept himself. And that's the same with us. If we've trusted in Jesus, then we can accept ourselves because God has accepted us just as we are. It is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So if we put our faith in Christ, we don't need to hide who we are. We don't need to pretend to be someone else. We can just be ourselves. Because in His grace, God has accepted us just as we are. He's forgiven us. He has cleansed us. And He has declared that we are His children. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. That's who we are. And you can't get any higher than that. That's the highest place you could ever get in this life is to be a son of God. But fourthly, that also means that we don't need to compete with anyone. Verse 12 says, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. The false teachers were in a competition. They were always comparing and competing themselves with others. You can imagine those in a family, you ever been in this situation where the kids try and compete with, with their mum or with their dad or with each other to see who's the tallest? Yeah, and you, you want to be bigger than everybody else? That's just what the false apostles were doing. They were measuring themselves against themselves to see who was the best. And in their eyes, from their superficial standpoint, Paul, well, he didn't match their standards. He was way down the pecking order. But because Paul's life was based on God's grace, Paul knew that they were trying to win a game that really doesn't matter. And that God doesn't want us to play. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. And that's the same with us. Listen to what Paul says, or Peter says, sorry, in his first letter. He says, rid yourselves of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. We don't need to fight and scrape for position or reputation. We don't need to engage in this dog-eat-dog world where people will do anything to be more successful than other people. We don't even need to get involved in that. Instead, God wants us just to accept one another just as Christ has accepted us. If we have received such amazing, outrageous grace from God, then we are called to express this to others. To love them as we have been loved. To value them as we have been valued. To honour them as we have been honoured. To accept them as we have been accepted. 
And coupled with that, God wants us to focus on answering his call on our lives. That's what Paul rejoiced in verse 13. We, however, will not go beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the field that God assigned to us. A field that even reaches to you. The false apostles who had come into Corinth, they were acting as if they were the ones who had brought the gospel to Corinth. As if they were the ones who had led these people to Christ. As if they were the ones who had planted that church. But Paul knew that this was what God had called him to do. And this is what God had done through him. So he didn't need to compete with them. Instead he could just rejoice in what God had done through him. And focus on what God was still calling him to do. His goal was that this church would continue to grow so that they could move on, so that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. That's what Paul always had at the burning desire in his life. God, Paul knew that God had called him to be a pioneer missionary to the Gentile world. His God-given passion was always to reach into new areas where people hadn't heard about Jesus. So he was committed to doing that. And he wanted this church in Corinth to grow and expand so that they could support him to do that. Because he was desperate for more and more people to hear about the gospel. Because he knew that was God's desire. As he says in Timothy, that God doesn't want anybody to be lost. So what about us? The Bible tells us that by God's grace, God has designed us and created us and equipped us to fulfill a specific role in his kingdom. He says about all of us, we are God's workmanship. We are God's masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has a plan for your life and for mine. So are we going to waste our life comparing and competing with other people? Or are we going to rejoice in and focus on obeying God's call on our lives? Are we going to live out God's commission? Because that's what Paul's focus was in his life and his ministry. Verse 18, For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved. Not the one who who stands in the mirror and says, Wow, you're doing well. What does that matter? But it's the one whom the Lord commends. His desire was not to please himself. Neither was it to please other people and get their admiration or their praise. Instead, Paul's only focus was to please the Lord. As we've seen earlier in this letter, he says, uh, chapter 5, verse 9, we make it our goal to please Him. It's the Lord we're called to serve. And so it's His well done, good and faithful servant that we long for. So that's why Paul didn't boast or glory in outward appearances. Or professional qualifications. 
or impressive abilities or glowing reputations or outstanding achievements because he knew that ultimately none of those things matter. Instead, what Paul focused on, what he boasted about, what he gloried in, was the Lord. Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. It was the Lord who had brought Paul, the worst of sinners, into his family through faith in Christ. It was the Lord who had given him the role of an apostle to build others up. It was the Lord who had accepted him as he was with all of his limitations and weaknesses. It was the Lord who had called him to take the gospel into these unreached areas and who gave him the grace to see people brought to faith in Christ and churches planted. So all the glory, all the honour, all the praise belonged not to Paul, but to the Lord. And that should be our focus too. That should be our joy. That should be our passion. Not these external measurements of success that the world uses. But the gifts of God's grace. That because of his unlimited, undeserved, unending love. You and I are connected to Christ. That we have the privilege and the honour to serve Him. We can just be ourselves. We don't need to compete with others. Because we live to honour the Lord.